Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the Gospel reading from Matthew 14. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, the water's getting a bit rough and choppy this morning. I hope that you took your medicine for seasickness. You may need it. <laughs> yeah. As the disciples set sail under the Lord's, the Master's, the Jesus's prayerful stare, they are confronted. They are faced with a commonplace calamity with little scare. Yes, the disciples go on a boat ride this morning. They uh, set sail to journey across the Sea of Galilee. Not by choice, by the way. They're, they're, they're forced to do this uh, boat trip. Jesus barks out orders. He compels them, commands them, coerces them to hop in the boat and go on ahead without him. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before them to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. With the disciples getting teenier and tinier, on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus sends away the crowds, the thousands upon thousands, fat and happy. Yeah, they're well-fed, aren't they? They're satisfied. Jesus just served a, a, a meal of plenty in a wilderness of want. And he used only five loaves and two fish. That's it. Five loaves and two fish in the hands of Jesus. Oh, well, enough. More than enough. They actually have more food after Dindin before Dindin was even served. And we know this because the disciples, they hop into the boat with 12 doggy bags, 12 to-go containers overflowing with pieces of bread and fish. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Certainly, the disciples are thinking on that boat on the Sea of Galilee. Who is this Jesus who heals with just a touch and feeds so many with not so much? The yeah, identity of Jesus is at the heart of today's gospel reading. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Well, Jesus is now, you know, all alone. The crowds are gone. The disciples have set sail. He's all by his lonesome. WWJD. What would Jesus do? We hear exactly what he does. Matthew 14, 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself, by himself, to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Solitude. Solitude. Solitude, not just, you know, for the sake of solitude. Now, Jesus needs that during his earthly ministry, and we need that too, don't we? Some solitude in the midst of all the hustle and bustle of life. This solitude, though, is for a purpose, a very special purpose. This solitude is for conversation. Jesus treks up the mountain to have a chit-chat with his father who art in heaven. That's right. 
uninterrupted, undisturbed, undeterred, Jesus prays. He prays! For what? For whom does he pray? Does he pray for the grieving followers of John the Baptist who just had his funeral? Does he pray for King Herod who ordered that axe to be swung which murdered John the Baptist? Does he pray for the thousands upon thousands that he just cared for, feeding them, healing them, teaching them? Does he pray for that teeny tiny boat on the Sea of Galilee, praying for his disciples who are about to get saturated and soaked? Yeah. Do the shifting winds shift our Lord's attention to that teeny tiny boat bobbing up and down, up and down, up and down, more and more and more as the wind gusts get stronger and stronger and stronger? It's a safe bet to say that Peter and company are under the watchful, prayerful stare of Jesus. Especially uh, with this next chapter of, uh, of the Gospel reading, with what comes next. Matthew 14, 24. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. The wind and waves are torturous and treacherous, dangerous, and deadly. This storm is a calamity, but it's a commonplace calamity. I mean, notice Peter and company, they're not afraid. No mention of fear whatsoever. I mean, they are making headway. They are, they're making it through this, 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 this commonplace calamity on their own resources, by their own strength, by their own might. Row, boys, row! Yeah, keep rowing! We're going to get to the other side. Keep rowing! Row, row, row your boat. <laughs> Peter and company, they face this commonplace calamity with the skill and capability necessary, at least in their mind, to make it to the other side. They are not afraid. There is no trepidation. There is no timidity. There is no terror at all in Peter and company. After all, several of these guys uh, have seen this kind of commonplace calamity before, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing new. Not their first rodeo. No problemo. Peter and Andrew, James and John, they're seasoned fishermen. Oh, sure, it's rough and tough, and they puff and puff, but they're thinking, we got this. We're going to make it to the other side. We are and have enough. Now, this storm on the Sea of Galilee is a commonplace calamity. And I say that because storms uh, at this time <laughs> kind of expected the norm. Uh, sailors weren't really caught off guard when the weather changed just like that. 
because they expected the storms. They were prepared for the storms. They knew what to do when the storms just came out of nowhere, left field. Well, we have our own commonplace calamities too, don't we? Everyday stuff that we just, we deal with, we face. Well, there's a few examples. I mean, there's politics which are so polar, polarizing. Schoolwork that is so challenging. A job that's maybe not so fulfilling. A neighbor, a friend, family member, coworker, maybe a fellow GLCer that is just, you know, so annoying. A shower that isn't draining. That's what I discovered this morning. <laughs> Common place calamity. I'll be calling a plumber uh, tomorrow for sure. Commonplace calamity. We face these commonplace calamities, and like the disciples, we say, oh yeah, I got this. I'm going to make it to the other side. I have and am enough. But the disciples' tune change, changes pretty quickly, doesn't it? Really fast. The Lord Jesus walks on the waters, and the disciples' faith wavers because his unknown identity is a capsizing calamity that's so beyond their skill and capability. Whatever confidence that Peter and company had in their own power, in their own might, in their own resources, goes bye-bye. He's thrown out the window. When Jesus decides to take a nighttime stroll on the Sea of Galilee, verse 26, And in the fourth watch of the night, between 3 and 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. Now the disciples are shaken to the core. Fear factor to the max. They know that they're in the presence of something that is so beyond them. They are shaking in their boots, afraid, standing in the presence of such raw power. They're at the mercy of this ghoulish entity. There's no way for them to know by looks. If this ghoulish entity is for them or against them. And so what was, well, a commonplace calamity turns into a capsizing calamity. They, they believe that they're about to wind up as fish food at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. Dear friends, the unknown is terrifying for us as well. It is. We have all been confronted in our lives with, with something that is so beyond us, beyond our skills and capability, beyond our might and power and strength, beyond our control. Capsizing calamity comes in many, many shapes and sizes. There is no one-size-fits-all. Many shapes and sizes. A dash dream. A dreadful diagnosis, a divorce, 
A devastating disaster like what we're seeing come out of Maui right now. All those images are just heart-wrenching. So hard to see. Scorched earth for all those people. So many more missing. A debilitating disease and or depression. A defeating and deflating death. Cap-sizing calamity. And in the face of capsizing calamity, we, we cry out with the disciples, uh, I don't got this. I'm not going to make it to the other side. I'm going under. I'm going to wind up at the bottom of the sea. I'm a goner. I am not enough. Dear friends, our Jesus doesn't remain unknown. So that no matter the unknown, we know that we will never sink like a stone. Our Lord Jesus, here in the Gospel reading, reveals his identity. He reveals himself as the creator who comes to his creatures to rescue them from all calamity, saying, Be courageous. It is I. Do not be afraid ever. This is no ghoulish entity here walking on the Sea of Galilee. This is Jesus who comes to rescue his disciples from every calamity. And his word is the blessed assurance for them. Matthew 14, 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. You know what Jesus says here, right? Some of you do. That's a horrible translation. The translation really should be, I am. Ring a bell? I am? Does that expression ever pop up in the OT, the Old Testament? Hmm? Anyone? 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 The burning bush. The burning bush. Moses has that chit-chat with God at the burning bush, and God reveals himself, reveals his name. I am who I am. Now Jesus has I am on his lips. Behold, the hope and help of Israel and for all people in the flesh. The one who created the waters walking all over the waters as though the waters are concrete sidewalks, pavement, amazing. No one, nothing stronger than Jesus. The God-man Jesus, the creator become the creature Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, God on our side, Jesus. And this Jesus uses his strength in service to your salvation and mine. He uses his power to save. He says so. He says, I got this. I got you. No calamity bigger, better than this guy, than me, Jesus. The word, though, ain't enough for Peter. So he lets fly this if you are prayer which leads to Jesus demonstrating that he comes to deliver Peter and every little faither. Peter, 
ain't persuaded by the words of Jesus. He shouts, he pouts, he doubts. He actually puts Jesus in the hot seat. He interrogates Jesus. He actually tests him, right? Matthew 14, 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. We've never said anything like that in our lives, right? Yeah. <coughs> the if you are prayer, it's, it's only, only on the lips of Peter. No, we know better. I have prayed the if you are prayer. I have. And so have you. You know this prayer. I do too. We know it better than we care to admit. Lord, if you are there, then do something. Help me make my life better. Lord, if you love me, then fix my marriage. Fix my friendships. Fix my relationships. Lord, if you are merciful, then relieve my parent from all his suffering, all his pain, all his headache and heartache. Lord, if you are compassionate, then open up a new door for me, for new work, new opportunities, a new life. Lord, if you really do desire all to be saved, then bring my child back into the fold. Bring my child into the church again. If you are. We pray that prayer, and Jesus hears Peter's if you are prayer. And how does Jesus respond? Peter. Behind the woodshed we go. Time to punish you. Uh, well, no, I think actually we're going to waterboard you. It's a little easier to waterboard you here on the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> yeah, right. Shockingly, the Lord says, Peter, come out and walk with me on the Sea of Galilee. Matthew 14, 29 through 31. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now Peter's faith takes hold of that single word, C-O-M-E, come. And he walks on water. The word does what it says. The word works. But Peter's faith falters fast, really fast. Super fast. I mean, the wind and the waves get the best of P -P -P Peter, and all he sees is a capsizing calamity instead of the Jesus who is standing before him on the Sea of Galilee. And so he starts to sink. He becomes what his name means Rocky. Yep, there goes the rock to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. Peter, panicking and plummeting, begins praying, praying to his only help and hope, praying to Jesus, Lord, save me. That's Hosanna. He prays Hosanna, Lord, save me. And our Lord Jesus, he lives and dies and rises and ascends so that he can answer that prayer with such great joy. He will never, ever defy, decry, deny that prayer. Hosanna, Lord, save me. I mean, look at, look at Peter. 
He prays, and Jesus doesn't, you know, cross his arms, look down at Peter and say, Hey, buddy, yeah, you've got this. Keep doing the doggy paddle. Yeah, you've got this. I believe in you. You may not believe in you. I believe in you. You're going to swim to the other side. He says nothing like that. <laughs> I really miss being in the pulpit. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Jesus knows that this Peter... He feels his utter weakness in how helpless he really is. He doesn't have a leg to stand on, literally. <laughs> He's down and drowning. His prayer is the prayer that says, Lord, I don't got this, but you got this. I know you do. And Peter is not put to shame. He's not disappointed. Jesus reaches down and he rescues Peter with that sure and certain hand. That sure and strong hand. Now, there is a, a rebuke, though, isn't there? there? There is. There's a minor rebuke here, okay? Matthew 14, 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, you little faither, why did you doubt? Now, Peter should have believed Jesus the first time. You know, when Jesus said, um, Be courageous. It is I. Do not be afraid ever. And then Peter should have believed uh, the second time when Jesus said, Peter, come, come out. Walk on the sea with me. Even though Peter caused this dire disastrous, deadly situation. The Lord Jesus is good, and his mercy endures for how long? Forever. There is no I told you so from Jesus, only that gracious and patient, <coughs> I got this. I got you. I'll never let you go. Whose hand salvationly matters? Whose hand salvationly matters? Which hand is the eternal life game changer? Well, of course, Jesus, his hand, his grip won't slip. Even though Peter is this mixed bag of big doubter and little faither, the Lord remains Peter's Savior. And our, savior, and our Savior, too. No matter how big our doubts get, no matter how little our faith gets, He remains your Savior and mine. So in the face of all calamity, dear friends, let us pray with that mixed bag of faith and doubt, Lord, save me. Lord, save us. And He will reach down and rescue us personally, and ultimately we will praise him eternally. No matter how deep we go into the depths of despair, discouragement, disease, darkness, and death, Jesus has gone deeper, the deepest. Good Friday tells us that. You know, Jesus, he, he rides a donkey, you know, into Jerusalem when he kicks off Holy Week, Palm Sunday. And the people are lining the streets, and what are they praying? What are they praying? Hosanna. Hosanna, 
Lord, save us. And he will, he does. He rides to the cross, and there his hand is nailed. And it looks like he failed. No one rescues Jesus. He faces the condemning, capsizing calamity of our sin, of our death, of the power of the prince of darkness. He goes down, down, down into the utter depths of God-forsakenness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's downed and drowned. He dies. He's buried. But the Father does not abandon his son to the grave so that he has a hand that can save Yes, he raises his son from the dead so that his hand does save. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. There is now no calamity that's a dead end for you and for me. None, period. Zero. <laughs> Zero. A uh, commonplace? Capsizing? None of that. The cross says that all calamity is conquered calamity. All calamity is conquered calamity. It is finished. It's what Jesus said from the cross. Calamity, finished. Can't harm you and me at all. Not a hair on her head shall perish. Now we get a sneak peek of this actually at the end of our gospel reading, verses 32 and 33. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. The wind ceased. Dear friends, there will be a day when all calamity ceases. No more. It's gone in the history books. All in the rearview mirror. Yes, our Lord Jesus will reach down one final time on the final day. And with that nail-scarred hand of his, he will pull us up out of the grave so that we can glorify him. So that we can give thanks to him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. But even now, we get to worship him in his presence, don't we? He's not in a galaxy far, far away, where two or three are gathered. In my name, Jesus says, there I am. We stand in his presence, dear friends, worshiping him, here in the boat of his church, knowing full well that Captain Jesus is going to bring us to the other side. No rough waters too rough for Jesus. He sails through it all. With you and with me. We will soon stand in our resurrected bodies on the shores of the new heavens and the new earth. Until then, dear friends, when we face calamity, let us pray. Hosanna! Lord, save me! Lord, save us! Hosanna! And he will, he does. You are not alone in your calamity. Jesus is a smack dab in the midst of your calamity. The same with me. You doubt? We do sometimes. You get to taste and see that he is good. And that his mercy endures forever. Eat his body, drink his blood, and hear Jesus say to you this morning... Be courageous. It is I. Don't you be afraid ever. I got this. I got you. My hand in your hand. I will never let you go. My grip won't ever slip. To him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.